0: Right, hello and welcome to episode number forty of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dandy Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. And as always, I'm joined this time though via phone by Waters Tech US editor Anthony Malakian.
1: Good to be here remotely.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're putting the uh, the finishing touches on the November issue, and Anthony has a ton of editing, and as you can imagine, our newsroom is quite boisterous and loud, so it tends to be a lot easier to do stuff from tranquil Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, some people, like, they can't work from home. They're just too distracted. You know, they prefer to be in the office. Um, Usually, I guess, you know, sometimes I can be like that, but When you have to do a book, because I have to write an article myself, and then Victor was on vacation this week, so I'm doing the initial round of uh, editing uh, for the features. So I just need to, you know, I can just scatter out, you know, while I can get easily distracted, if I'm at work trying to transcribe and having people talking around me, it's absolutely impossible. And then trying to edit stories and trying to read and trying to make, you know, the, the, the stuff that you guys send me, turn that into gold. You know, I need to be 100% focused and locked in.
0: No, I was going to say, I understand why you get distracted. You probably just look to your left and see my strikingly good looks, and then you just yeah, lose exactly. all train of thought. <laughs> so it gets even harder to, to do any type of editing. Um, you found so me I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. I get it. So so we figured, you know, obviously the the biggest thing that's happened over the past week was our event, the uh, BuySide Technology Summit, North American Side Technology Summit uh, over in New York. Great full day of programs. We can go in a lot of different directions. There's a ton of stories up on the site already about it and more to come kind of throughout the probably the next week or so. It'll start to taper off already, but there's a bunch already up there. Um, so I guess, you know, Tony, we can go – Anthony, we can go a lot of different ways, um, you know, talking before. The most attractive thing and something that do
1: They'll never call me Tony in public. Yet. Sorry, sorry.
0: I apologize. I apologize. I'll Anthony, apologize. Uh, the most attractive thing – I think I wrote an opinion piece on it. I wrote a new perspective. I wrote an analysis piece on it. You wrote a huge, great feature on it back in April is uh, regulated regulation automated trading, reg AT, obviously it has to do with algorithmic trading, um, and the big contentious point of this regulation is the source code, and essentially the CFTC wants to have a huge data repository that will hold... Firm's source code, which is their lifeblood. Uh, We at the conference, uh, we had Bill Hartz, the CEO of Modern Markets. Initiative, which is essentially the HFT spectrum of things, and you know against this type of regulation, and then you have Petal Walker, who's the chief counsel for the CFT Commissioner Sharon Bowen, who's obviously on the other end, who wants this regulation, and uh, and then kind of in the middle, I guess you could say, is Ewa Lim, who um, was head of product development for OTC Fin. Uh, I don't want to. I I don't want to necessarily throw her in there because she admitted right off the bat that she wasn't super familiar with it, but she kind of gave a little bit of perfect perspective. Uh, but before we get into that, Anthony, you're, you know, I'll use this term loosely, the expert on Reg AT, um, <laughs> because you did write the big feature. I believe you were in there on the panel. What's your perspective on how things were when you wrote the feature a few months ago and how things have changed now, six months later?
1: Yeah, well, you know, obviously with this, uh, proposal. It's funny because this proposal, much of the industry agrees with most of it. Um, but if there's a big all-encompassing um, uh, regulation, it's this little piece, and then there's one other piece. What makes a reg AT person basically? What, what makes an uh, an AT person, an automated trading person? Because in theory, you know, you have some people, you know, farmers that are trying to hedge their, you know, crops or sales, whatever, however it is that they do it. You know, they're being also labeled then as an AT person the same way that a high-frequency trader at a prop trading shop at in Chicago is being uh, called an AT person. Um, but the, the source code piece of it, it just seems ludicrous to me that the, the, the pushback that they've gotten has been universal. I don't understand why they don't strip this piece out and dual-track it and try and figure out what to do with this. Be like, okay, the rest of this proposal is going to go forward as is. Um, this piece of it over here is going to be cut out, uh, pedal Walker spoke, uh, at our Chicago event and she at the time said, you know, she hadn't heard anything about that that they don't, that she didn't think it's going to do that. But, um, you're starting to see a little bit of pushback. Cause even, um, John, um, uh, uh the CFTC, uh, he was saying that, um, that they don't have the resources to analyze the source code from uh, algo traders. Think about how complex source code is. To be able to drill into it, to really break it apart, you have this huge repository of stuff that you really can't. You're not going to have the brightest minds in the world that are going to be working on looking at that. Right now, the process works where if you get a subpoena, um, you can um, you you can get that source code. If there is an event in the market that CFTC needs, you can get that source code via subpoena. It seems to be working. And then the other thing was and this was at the Chicago Well hold on, let me let me ask you
0: Okay. Let me ask you a question. Is it working though? Is it, and in terms of, I understand they are getting the code, and I know and I know yeah. when uh, Bill was at Chicago, was out in the Chicago event, he kind of brought up the question, has anyone ever damaged the code or not sent you the code, and, and Petal said that she wasn't familiar, but is the whole process of kind of an event happens, then you go out, and then you get the subpoena, and then you get the source code, is that really working when it's taking so long for the regulators to figure out if, you know, what has really caused things and what's gone wrong?
1: Well. It- I would say yes. Um, now, trying to unwind these complex markets, yeah, you know, so a flash crash, something like that, that happens, you know, are you, you know, there's still a lot of difficulty in that. But whether or not you have a repository of the source code isn't going to change that. You can have all the source code you want. Being able to deconstruct the market at an exact specific time to figure out exactly what happened is insanely complex. And as you saw with the flash crash, there's probably been about five, six different reports that have been put out by very smart people that haven't been to break it down. But yes, right now they've never once received, as far as anybody knows, they've never once received source code where they're like, oh, that's been tampered with or that's been changed. Now, has that happened? They weren't able to figure it out? Well, okay, so you couldn't figure it out when it happened previously. So why are we going to create this massive repository that is just a bullseye for hackers to go and attack and also, yes, it is possible for somebody to be able to take code, to be able to read into uh, somebody else. Because, yes, while they're at the CFTC, there are plenty of people that take jobs at the CFTC and then go and cross the street and make their money at a hedge fund later on. So that is a, a very reasonable um, argument to be made. But, so right now, they've never once seen any tampering with source code based on subpoena. They've gotten any source code they needed via subpoena that system of it is working right now there's no need to create this i don't they haven't clearly stated exactly why this is so necessary you know they they've said that you know they they believe that this would help them to better unwind the market you have that ability to get that information now better describe why it is that this is so vital if you can't strip that piece out of the regulation move forward with the rest of it That's my opinion anyway, and it seems to be the opinion of everybody that's been speaking at our events Um, and anybody that we've been speaking to, you know, either for the article I've written or the articles that we've written or just even in private.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that perspective, and this is kind of what I wrote in the opinion piece. I guess I fall a little bit more in the middle. Listening to Petal talk, you know, one thing that she said that stood out to me is, said, how are we able to respond to a public that is very concerned about HFT and doesn't want to hear that the entity that they have asked to oversee this doesn't have access to stuff? So I, I understand where she's coming from in that, how does it look where if – you know, proverbial shit does hit the fan and they need to start doing analyzing, well then they have to throw out all these subpoenas and it's a whole pro- a legal process of getting all of this information. I understand you could say, well, it's worked and I also understand the perspective of even if we gave them this stuff, they wouldn't necessarily be able to um, to analyze it. But I do see from the perspective of the regulators, like, well, listen, you guys, this algorithms haven't necessarily been perfect. There've been a lot of issues around this, around electronic trading, and we want a better handle on it. And part of a better handle handle on that is giving us more oversight into everything you guys are doing. Yes, is it going to be a security risk? Sure. But I think the whole, and you'd mentioned before, kind of dual tracking and popping this out and figuring out another avenue, that's just, I mean. We know how regulations work. We know how long it takes for this stuff to go through the, the cogs of, of the government and whatnot. That's just going to kind of fall off to the edge, and it, it's never going to be brought back up again. Do I understand why financial firms are fighting so hard? Yes, of course. This is their financial blood. This is their DNA. If this gets stolen, if this gets leaked, if a competitor gets its hands on it via hiring someone from the CFTC and then them bringing it over, then – yeah, they're screwed. They're, they're absolutely done. But I also see the perspective of the regulators saying we're looking like assholes here when the public sees another HFT but or another –
1: That's a horrible – that is a horrible reason to make a rule. You make a rule to spit, to fit into a specific function because there is a, a, a desperate need to have it. You don't – just because the public that has no real com- comprehension of high-frequency trading, much less algorithmic trading. Let's not lump algorithmic trading just and say that that's all HFT. There is a difference there. Algorithmic trading is just the way that the markets have gone. Uh, no, uh, yeah, People I continue I, to go. So for them to start saying that we need to have all this code because the public – we need to show the public that we're on top of this, that's not a great reason, in my opinion, to create any sort
0: of a rule. I just think it's a bad look when you have – these market events happen and it's sometimes years until something of substance can be brought out of it and if but by, even
1: if you have this it's still going to be that it's still going to be years you don't There's think you don't think it'll quick working. you don't think it'll
0: quicken the process even a little bit oh,
1: No, i really listen it's still going to be years it's still going to be it's not going to be something where they're going to be able to say okay this is what happened on honestly we just figured it out Best-case scenario, it will still take years, but maybe you get to that conclusion. If ever you get to the conclusion, which, quite frankly, they have been great at getting to these conclusions anyway, it will still take too much time. Because, again, you've got to be able to analyze all this information, all this data that's come in, go look through all this source code. The CFTC does not have the resources for this. They're not even fully staffed at the commissioner level. <laughs>
0: Much well, like yeah, that's
1: at, a, the, <laughs> at the deeper uh, levels of uh, the data analysis group. So, no, no, no. I do, I, I do
0: understand that, and I said, I made that point in in the piece. I said, well, I didn't. I don't know if I did actually say that, but it's you know, you, there's no point buying a Corvette for someone that's 12 years old. You know, there's no point giving that type of power to someone if if they can't actually use it and, and handle it. So, I, I, I 100% see that perspective. I guess I fall a little bit more in the middle, and, and maybe I'm wrong.
1: would be cool to be a 12 year old though and have a corvette
0: yeah that's like that blank check remember blank check yeah remember blank check
1: no i don't i didn't watch that movie
0: you don't remember blank check the kid gets the blank check and he writes in for a million dollars which is absurd because if i had a blank check i'd write in for like a billion and then he buys all this stuff and then of course the guy whose check it is is like oh that's fraud i want my money back and it's this whole thing he has this fun house that was a little whatever so yeah. I think no, I didn't see the movie then. <laughs> well I think we'll move on and we'll do a little one for one I suppose and let's talk about one of your stories that you wrote uh, on the buy versus uh, build debate um, so I sat in on this panel too I know Henry Henry krevchenko and clay stack gave some interesting opinions um you know it's interesting we see a lot of these folks come in you know conference after conference and speak because they're super smart and they're well in they're right in the markets and it's interesting to see how certain people's perspectives you know clay's been someone that's spoken at a lot of our conferences how it shifted from never 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 you know buy to now well it's kind of slowly that that glacier is is starting to melt you're someone that's been in the space a lot longer than me it's how do you feel about something like that
1: well actually you know it's, it's funny because clay you know he's been coming i've known him for years now and, you know, chatted with him plenty of times, you know, at the post-drinks and just um, after the events and stuff like that, and he's, you know, it's been fun to kind of watch his, you know, kind of evolution, because, like, he was, even just as of, like, a year or two ago, was, like, never would I even consider cloud uh, technology. Right. I mean, certainly there are certain areas where maybe that, you know, that they have to do it internally, but, um, or if you're using a Bloomberg Trolls, there is kind of a cloud underpinning that, but he wouldn't, you know, kind of consider cloud technologies. Um, Even that, he slowly started to break down on that. Um, I think that what's interesting from uh, Henry's point and from Clay's point that you're seeing is, you know, as much as we like to talk about how the buy side is more willing to turn to third parties for certain things, the preference is still very strong that when it comes to the front office, when it comes to the order management kind of processes, that there's they want to have a lot of control. So even if they are going to use a third party, they want that to be able to very easily and um, you know without notice kind of fit into their system. Still, um, Henry, you know, uh, he he was at Mariner for um, got years. I, I want to say like a decade, maybe maybe longer. Um, and now he just um, uh, just went over to Marshall Lace, um, but. You know, those are two highly respected you know, uh, buy-side firms and very strong, we want to build this internally. We'll, we'll turn over some stuff from some the reporting, you know, some of the regulatory needs, you know, that, that just the, the stuff that doesn't matter too much to them. Um, get that offer plate, sure. But in the front office, it's still going to very much be uh, built. But there is, I guess, a little bit of cracks in the seams there. If you can, if as a vendor, you can create systems that can integrate very easily into their systems. You're going to have a better chance of getting a sale a sale there. Let um, me ask you. The same was true of uh, Clay saying the same thing.
0: Let me ask you this. Sorry to interrupt you. Let me ask you this. What do you think has been the biggest shift that has? Do you think it's the the regulatory requirements that they've been getting, and the fact that budgets have tightened up, the fact that maybe vendors are just willing to work more with buy side firms in terms yeah. of. What you know, customization. What do you think has been the biggest thing that's, like I said, kind of melted that glacier?
1: From what I've seen, I mean, obviously there is the regulation is still, you know, it's such a pain in the butt. You know, like talking with uh, Alexander Vice uh, from uh, uh, from Rebellion Research. You know, they're investing all this money into their machine learning and AI, but the biggest pain that they have is regulation. So obviously that is very much uh, plays a part into this. That regulatory needs have for the buy side you know just look at form pf afmd these are things that did not exist for them uh form pqr things like that these things did not exist you know they, they did not have to worry about these kind of things previous to 2008 now very much concerned um but i think also what plays into this the reason why on the front office why there is a little bit of breakage is there's all this information out there, and um, data capacity has grown so much. The ability to store information, be able to get to that information, break down that information, and analyze that information, there have been that has improved by leaps and bounds just over the last few years. I mean, you look at you know what you know companies like Google, Amazon, IBM are now able to do. It's it's changing the game, and I think that. Even, you know, these you know, highly, highly sophisticated hedge funds are looking at this and saying, there's a ton of valuable information out there. Yes, we could build this all ourselves, but maybe we can turn a little bit over and free up some resources um, by turning the third parties because we don't want to miss the boat on some of this, this massive amount of data that's out there and then be able to analyze it and break down that information. I think that that plays into it. You know, it's kind of the regulation side of it for sure but then the ability to uh, take in, store, and analyze data, that that's improved so much, and vendors have caught up to that. And vendors have gotten more, I mean, that's one thing that Clay was saying, um, is that vendors have gotten more sophisticated in the products that they're offering rather than just having, here's our equities platform. Well, now, you know, you have this, you know, distressed debt, you know, kind of piece of it that's been tailor-made for distressed debt. You know, so that kind of sophistication on the vendor level has also helped their case as well.
0: Yeah, I you know, and you talk about regulation. we definitely, I want to bring up the fact and I wrote a story about this, so selfishly, that's why I want to bring it up, but uh, (laughs) Mythid 2, I think you can agree that was the most, you know, we run a lot of interactive polls throughout the day, and whenever regulation came up, that was the one that seemed to find its way to the top, you know, interesting that we're, it's the North American conference, and it was a European regulation, but I suppose, you know, everyone's kind of global at this point, and most people are global at this point, so it's touching everyone. Uh, But, and that's also the, you know, coming up the soonest this the, coming up most recently with you know January third, twenty eighteen being the date. Uh, particularly, what I found interesting was you know the panel that I sat in on. Oliver Grimsdell, uh, the IT manager at Franklin Templeton Investments, uh, basically outright said that he's praying um, for the the uh, the uh, method two to be delayed again. Remember, this is delayed a year. It was originally supposed to come into effect this coming January, but back in February it was pushed back for another year, and he said he's praying for it. Now, I've written about this before, we've talked about this before, Anthony, how much is this kind of a chicken, game of chicken, with the firms all saying, no, 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 we're not going to be ready in time, when really they just want some more leverage, or is this seriously, we're not going to be ready, our systems aren't in place, we need some more time?
1: Yeah, it's you know, we saw the same – I mean, you know, I, I joined here in 2008, so I literally have seen, you know, the introduction of, um, you know, Dodd-Frank and how that kind of got rolled out, pushed back and delayed and delayed and delayed. Um, you know, they they've, the, the the industry is always very good at buying time, um, and that's valuable because you don't want to pour something and rush something. Um, you know, I don't know that there's going to be – the the, the regulators will look pretty damn bad if they have to push this back even further. So I think that what you'll see is, um, and it's not, this is not really pulling my opinion, this is kind of talking with other people. A large chunk of MIFID 2 will go into effect on the date, but they will kind of, as we said, like even with uh, Ray AT, some things will get kind of dual track, will kind of get split off and pushed back a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I think there is genuine concern because, again, it's not just MIFID, too. It, they, they're not just crying wolf, I guess, right? There is Reg A.T. out there as a proposal. There's all these different kinds of rules that are being brought up constantly. Initial margin rules that just went into effect, and then there's another deadline coming up in uh, March uh, next year. You know, there's so much uh, various uh, regulation as firms have become more global. It's not just here in the U.S., it's in Europe, it's in Asia. So they are struggling to keep up with all this. Um, And, you know, so it it is a little bit of, you know, yeah, there's a wolf, there's a wolf, you know, but there is a little bit of, yeah, they have genuine concern that they're not going to be compliant by, by these specific dates.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up Dodd Frank. You know, one of the panelists, uh, uh, Terry Flynn, uh, the front office specialist and team lead at SimCorp, compared this to uh, Europe. Actually, maybe it was—it might have been Oliver that compared this to uh, Dodd Frank for Europe. And I think the biggest thing is that this is way more expansive, including way more markets, and that was brought up by Terry. And it's kind of almost a bit off more than you can chew. And that's why a lot of the firms are saying, because, you know, so many times you hear, oh, it's too soon. It's too soon. We, you know, we need a better timeline. And that's kind of like you said, boy, the cried wolf. But in addition to all the regulations that they also have to deal with, Reg A-T, you know, all those others, uh, the, the definitions and a lot of the explanations of the rules have not been set forth by the regulators and they, the window is getting smaller and smaller. So it's kind of like, well, we, we want to fill this, we, we want to be compliant, but we can't be compliant if we don't know what to do. You know, tech isn't cheap. We're not going to start implementing systems thinking that one thing is going to be required when it's actually another thing. So I think that there, I think it'll be interesting. I think that, there's no way they can just completely delay it, like you said, because that's way too much egg on the face of regulators. That'll look awful. What's more likely, like you said, is maybe a bit of a slower rollout, a um, an extended rollout. Um, but it is it is interesting to see. I mean, I was surprised when he said, "I'm praying for it." And then the the moderator uh, Jay Wilsonstein um, asked him again. He said, "Wait, what did you say?" He said, "I'm praying for it to get delayed." He was very adamant. You know, it, this is not something that you know they were shying away of. They they want to be. Push back badly, so we'll see what happens there. I suppose. Uh, anything else? You know, we had a lot of. There was a great, great, great panel on blockchain. Um, I wasn't yeah. able to sit into to all of it, but we had uh, we had rares. Uh, pat but, No. You know, oh, sorry. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump. I'm going to, I'm going to be Donald Trump uh, to your hill. Yeah, no. Go, no, go one ahead. One jump button. in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but that was. I want to say that it was a good. Thing. I'm happy you brought the blockchain. Um, Ron Quanta, who's Wall Street Blockchain Alliance. He's been around. I'm sure if you've been to blockchain panels, you've seen him before. Uh, Where is uh, Patryu? Sounds like that. I'm oh, oh, somebody's song. having some yeah, trouble no, like, with
0: some pronunciations, eh?
1: Yeah, first time for everything, right? Uh, I apologize, Sam, um, but he was absolutely fantastic. He's from Green Bank Capital, um, and then you had uh, Christopher Berninski um, from Ark Invest. These guys. If you had more people like them talking about blockchain and describing what is real and what isn't real, I think that the industry would go a long way. Um, that you know, with these guys really were able to describe what is realistic with blockchain, what isn't realistic with blockchain, um, what you know, possible deadlines and kind of timelines we should be looking for. Um, I think that often when a lot of people up there are talking about blockchain, they sound a lot like me. You know, it's like, yeah, I have an understanding of it. I have this, you know, I, I've researched it, I've studied it. These guys really truly understand it. They've worked with it, and they're very good at describing it and talking about it. So I would say that that was uh, definitely a highlight uh, from the day.
0: Yeah, I only got to sit in a little bit uh, for it, but it was it was fantastic. It was uh, it was very good, and like you said, really guys that. Call it like it is and say it like it is. Rares, I saw him uh, up in Toronto at our uh, financial information um, summit up there. And he just really just calls a spade a spade. He doesn't pull punches, um, which is refreshing to see when so many times you have people kind of dancing around certain things. Um, I guess, you know, that. like I said, I'll put up the tag for the event so you can keep track of all the news stories that break. I'm actually going to put something in there um, from the C-level panel either today or tomorrow regarding um, communication with CFOs and um, chief investment officers on technology budgets, which I found Pretty interesting. Um, but lots of good content from that. As we alluded to early on in the uh, in the podcast, the November features are coming out. When will they be up? Probably uh, end of next week, oh, beginning to press of the
1: week. Next before. week, and so figure probably the beginning of not
0: next week. The week beginning of next that. week. So lots yeah. of lots of good stuff to keep an eye out for that. And then uh, you know, upcoming events and whatnot. So lots of exciting things on the waters front. Um, before we dip out i guess we'll quickly we could quickly talk about you know as always some non-fintech stuff uh to be honest i did not really watch any of the third debate i just couldn't do it i have no interest in it
1: in the same boat I'm a, i love politics i love talking about politics i just i actually truly could not stand to watch you know trump up there talking anymore I, i'm not a big fan of hillary but at least she handled herself well she handled herself with some dignity up there um so i couldn't yeah, I just failed on that.
0: You've been, you've been not team in terms of support, but in terms of who you believe is going to win. You've been team Hillary for a while now. Uh, maybe was there at any point, because at, at one point, I want to say maybe like a month and a half ago, it did look like Trump was gaining some steam and gaining, gaining some momentum. Now it seems to be it's not even going to be close. Did you ever question it? Was there ever a doubt in your mind or never a doubt? There was never
1: a doubt. And the only is, it's the damn media, okay? The damn media. Oh, here we and, go. you know, these, these horrible, horrible media, big M media, uh, you know, it's almost kind of weird. It's like, wow, during the summer months, they had to kind of really kind of make this seem like it was close so that you would be paying attention as a listener. So you would keep on watching, tuning in to Fox News, CNBC, MSNBC, you know, at 8, 9 o'clock and still be interested in this. And now, all of a sudden, right outside, now we're starting to say, Oh, yeah, no, he really has no chance. Now it's the process story of, well, now it's downstream ballots, and will the you know, Republican Party implode? So, no, there's never a doubt. I saw it coming for a year now, um, but uh, anybody that wants to make a bet that, this, uh, that, that Trump has a chance, my betting window is always open.
0: Yeah, well, at, at this point, I think you'd have to give them some amazing odds and you have to lay a lot to win a little for Hillary. I can't even imagine what her, uh, her money line spread is at this point. Um, but it is funny how everybody, you know, you have you saying, oh, the media created this circus and just made it look like Trump was going to win just to get more viewers. And then you have other people, Trump supporters, oh, the media has been bashing Trump forever and been throwing him under the bus. No, media can never, media just screws everybody over. Everybody hates the media. The media is the worst. I think that's the one thing we can take away from this election um uh, and i guess real quick as you know you're a, a bigger baseball fan than i am cubs clubs Cubs tie up the series last night the bats finally get going cleveland wins cleveland you know God save the queen, but Cleveland's championship town now, uh, second major league team to be playing in a in a in a finals this year. What do you think of the Cubs Cubs slash Dodgers series, and what do you think of Cleveland overall now that they get a, a better rest heading into the World Series?
1: I think I've already said that I, I can't stand the club. I can't stand their fan base. This whole idea that they're no one was alive when they won. Like, you know who's a struggling fan base? The Houston National fan base. We've never seen a World Series, but at least we've been to World Series. The Cubs have really sucked. Sucked. Not even like they can't even make the playoffs for most of their uh, franchise history. Cleveland at least has made it to the World Series. Lost in Game 7. I mean, that's a heartbreak team right there. I'll be pulling hard for Cleveland's. Uh, the Dodgers. Uh, I'll be broom for people no matter what. Um, I don't really care for the Dodgers.
0: Uh, this vitriol for the Cubs, I don't get it. It's because the thing I will say about this is when the Red Sox used to also had the curse, right? And it was well, it used yeah. to be the White Sox, the Red Sox, and the and the Cubs, right? Because the Black Sox, the you know curse of the Bambino, and then the yeah. the Billy the Murphy curse. Uh, the 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 um the Red Sox were always looked at as like oh. Boston, that's so hard being a Red Sox fan because you have Bucky Dent, you have Aaron Boone, you have Bill Buckner, you have all the the awful. You know, so close but yet so far. The Cubs were never looked at like, oh, this fan base is hard. They were just the lovable losers. Do well, you know the
1: the, the 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 big reason for that though? The the, the thing that also though with the with the, the Red Sox, first of all, just one franchise there, right? With the two. Granted, no one cares about the White Sox, but there are at least two franchises there. But also, Boston, that team, that, that city, lived and died with the Red Sox. They didn't care as much. Like, when the Patriots won the first, uh, the, the first um, Super Bowl in 2001, during the parade, the crowd uh, ch- started chanting, Yankees suck. You know? <laughs> like the, their whole being revolves around the Red Sox. Chicago, that's more of a Bears town, than it, I feel, than it is a Cubs town. You know? I mean, yeah, the Cubs are the big team, but you also have the White Sox there, so there is a little bit of a split there. And but that team is much that, that city is much more about the Bears. Like when the Bears are good, no one's going to care about the Cubs. I feel like when the times up there. Yeah, that's
0: that's fair. That that is fair. Uh, you know, I I will say I do have a, one of my best friends lives in Chicago, and he's always sending me pictures of oh flying the W, flying the W. All these places are flying, you know, the white flag with the blue W for the win. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess I mean I think you you know you could even. Um, throw it in it's one of the few towns that might even be a hockey town over you know people are big Blackhawk fans there obviously because they've been doing well recently um, but it's a big supporter but yeah I mean probably it's a mix of the Bears really suck this year and the Cubs are doing really well so it's alright let's get on the bandwagon but I would just I just think it'd be it'd be awesome to see them win um, that'd be two teams that have broken three teams that have broken massive curses uh, they make
1: it to seven they have a 10 run lead going into the ninth mean, and then they lose 11 to 10 yeah <laughs>
0: You're a sick, sick bastard. You're a sick bastard. Um, so I guess that's it from from us, Anthony. You have anything else to add? That's it. Well, thanks so much for listening, and be uh, sure to tune in next week.